Welcome to Accounting High. Inform, I do this for my culture to let them know what's accessible, reliable, and affordable. Show them how to move, yo, in a firm with no structure. People at different stages of life are going to interact better with certain cultures, right? Because they have different levels of priority. And those are things that are important to uncover of who you are as a company does dictate some of those things. So if you take value, structure, work-life balance, autonomy, stability, and environment, you tie a nice little bow around that definition of each of those components, then you should be able to get a better understanding of your culture, what you're trying to build, and then how you can fit in people into that. Yeah, you know what? It's Friday at Accounting High. Make varsity, no doubt. Play on, players. Play on. Okay, drop the verse. It's going down, welcome back. Team of coaches are ready to teach promotional price packaging. No doubt, accounting high, put it down. Never about the numbers in accounts. If I can figure that out. Tell me who got hot takes and tips. Attract the teams like Coach Mack did. Price and fear patterns, mindsets, proactive. Still moving this forward with my homies, Matt, Queen, Dave, Kenji, the original coach trainers. Outsource teams now, good loan. Creating cultures with real owners, wow. System score when you're not around. Cover much ground. Stop breathing. Slow down. Getting paid is the only way. Each and every day. Recurring models great. Get ready. Open your mind. Why? Learn and power your firm. Free your time. East side to the west side. Pushing value price at accounting high. We got tips in our bag. Stacking up your cash. Practice with the top of the class. Clients need service because people are the purpose. Lace up, it's like phys ed, it's immersive. Friday at Accounting High, let's begin. Your people are the purpose. Make varsity, it's time to level up. Level up. People are the purpose. Make varsity, it's time to level up. Level up. Your people are the purpose. Make varsity, it's time to level up. Level up. Your people are the purpose. Make varsity. It's time to level up. Lace up. Introducing the star of our show. Marissa Jones, Jacob Schroeder, and Scott Scarano. We're going to have a problem here. Hello and welcome to our special continuing the C theme conversations about different topics as it relates to running our professional accounting firms. Today's we're not talking about unicorns, we're talking about culture. <laughs> and we have two very special guests, one recurring guest, Marissa Jones. Why today? <laughs> and we have a new guest, Jacob Schroeder. Jacob, if you care to introduce yourself. I'm Jacob, obviously. Uh, I run a firm called Ascend Consulting in Belfontaine, Ohio, middle of nowhere, little tiny town of 13,000 people. Have a team of seven of us scattered across multiple states. Specialize in on 
advisory clients. So every one of our clients has to have an advisory component. And then obviously moving almost more into a management consulting firm than just an accounting firm. So we do a strategy and then your finances, obviously the tax and accounting that all of us do. And we also add in the team component of saying, do you have the right people in the right seats on the bus? Right people in the right seats. I like that. That's a, that's a good EOS phrase that we use. Marissa. That's fantastic. And I have to tell you, Jacob and I have been working a lot together and becoming best friends. Fast the team. Yeah. 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 We got together in South Carolina and we were sharing notes and he's got a page of notes and I have a page of notes, ideas. And so, of course, we started like figuring out which ones we could collaborate on. And mm. Another good C word, collaboration. Collaboration. In Carolina, too. So <laughs> at Thrival, I assume that's where you guys were gathered. So culture, again, we're going to continue on. And, and the reason I did want to get you guys both on on the same one about culture is because of your collaboration and your ideas on ways to change. Another C word, but ways to change the industry and change, change the world. Talk about this. Talk about culture. Well, I Where think we it would change the world. I think if everybody was happy, the world would be a better place. And so while that seems like a really big and utopian ambition, I don't think it's unachievable or unattainable to at least try and, and solve that, that problem of how to, how to get the right culture and how to build culture and how to implement culture. And Care to be more specific? Let's talk about the, well, the, the what and the why, right? So mm -hmm. the what. What is what is culture? Well, I think the big buzz right now is is culture, right? Everybody's starting to realize that some of those soft skills are are actually the hard skills, and and that it's important. And I think that there people right now are kind of struggling on on the implementation of that and how to make that yield positivity in their own firms and companies. So while they may say yes, we need to build culture, I don't think a lot of people know how to do that. So I think that we're kind of in this exploratory phase of how do you do that and how do you do that easier? How do you make that process easier? You can't just put a poster on the wall of a cat hanging from a branch and call it culture. Right. Right. A purple unicorn. They, yeah. I don't know. The purple I mean, unicorn. I, yeah. <laughs> I think there's a lot of layers to culture. You know, it, yes, it includes of. What are your, what's your vision for your company? What are your values for your company? How do you act as a company? What's acceptable for your staff? What's acceptable for the type of customers you take on? What's acceptable for the way your customers treat your staff um, as a piece of culture there? How you manage, how people are allowed to work and not work? You know, is there micromanagement? Is there not? How much flexibility do they have? How much can they pursue new ideas? You know, those are all pieces of culture. And every company's is a little different. Even if we say, hey, we're pretty similar, I'm sure we don't manage the exact same way. I'm sure, you know, we give a little more latitude or a little less latitude to, to employees. We allow behaviors from employees that maybe somebody else wouldn't allow, or we encourage behavior that somebody else wouldn't encourage. So those, I think, are all the pieces that make up your culture. And getting that fit matters a lot. You know, what's a perfect example of a culture that maybe doesn't mesh? And I always give the super simple example of, you know, if you have a true office place and you have a team that goes out for drinks every Thursday night, when you're hiring somebody, if they 
don't think they should go out for drinks every Thursday night, they're never going to be integrated into that team and become a part of that team. So even at that low level, that's just one component. And there's a million pieces of culture, but getting employees who truly align to your culture from an overall company perspective really makes a difference on the success of your company or not. So culture kind of helping define the success. I think everybody working together collaboratively inside and outside the office, kind of like you were saying, if they get together, I don't think that could necessarily be a deal breaker though. If somebody doesn't go out, they could still be a good team member. They could still work. You know, let's say they got kids and they don't have anybody to watch the kids on Thursdays. It doesn't mean that they're not going to work well with the team. So, that, But how do you know up front when hiring somebody, is there a difference between them saying something and then actually what they do? Like, how do you know what they're going to do and how do you know how they're going to be and integrate with the team? Well, I think that there are people that just by nature would hate going out with the team every week, whether or not their current life circumstances allow them to be that person. I think that the core of that person is is probably not that changeable year over year. So, you know, if you were to devise a questionnaire where you could really tap into whether or not that's something that they like to do, whether or not they're able to do it, then I think you could you could hit that target. And there are other things that you could look for as well. And there are other indirect questions that perhaps you could ask to really tap into the answers that you're trying to to get. Okay. So hiring yeah. process, Jacob. Yeah. Hiring is a huge one. That's what I was getting ready to say is, you know, even management styles, something we said for a culture for a company, but then also teams have cultures, right? And individual managers create cultures. And there's a lot to be said in that because certain managers may be micromanagers and certain staff thrive under that. Other staff are not going to at all, right? Certain managers provide lots of detail in how to do something. Certain staff members need that detail and certain staff members are going to do really struggle under that detail. I even think about me as a, as a manager, you know, my predictive index talks about how I'm very quick to delegate and I just do touch points on how things should be done. I once had an employee I had to let go and everybody said, was that person a bad employee? And I said, you know, I don't know if that person was completely a bad employee. Could they have done some things better? Yeah but I was a really bad boss for them. I should have never made that hire because they did not fit our culture at that time and all my management style even, which is part of that culture, right? Mm -hmm. They needed very detailed instructions on how to do things. And I'm very much a point like, go do it. Let me know if you need help. If they'd asked, I would have given them that, but they had to step out there and ask. And that was a culture I created. Now, that, that culture had weaknesses. And since I've hired people that are somewhere in the middle that can help me and then manage other staff because we want to have that ability to create that culture. But when it we were smaller, that was the culture of my company. That doesn't mean that person was a bad employee. That doesn't mean that person in your culture couldn't have thrived as a bookkeeper, couldn't have been an amazing bookkeeper. But in the culture of our company at that time, it didn't work. And I failed. I failed as a leader because I did not do my due diligence in the hiring process to say, is that a good person for my culture of what I have right now. And I think that's something to be said, that maybe that person wasn't ideal fit, but really as a leader, I failed that person because I didn't understand my own culture. So then if I don't understand my own culture, how do I hire people that are gonna be successful inside of it? So as accounting firm owners, all three of us are different in a lot of ways. You know, everybody's different. 
but and everybody has their own styles the owner has to understand themselves and how they're going to work with the team because whether we like it or not they're going to be a reflection of us and our styles are going to bleed into our managers and how they manage their team and it's always a top-down thing regardless. Yeah, that's what we're trying to to also achieve is how to get a company to really understand themselves because I think that there are companies out there that are rather large. And I mean, Scott, you're an EOS guy. Like they've never done vision values and, and tried to figure out like how to steer the ship in the proper way. So I think companies really understanding how to define the culture in the within the framework of, of what they want to build and where they're actually going as a company is really important. I think that, I mean, like you said, it's, it's a top-down problem. That's where everybody's missing the mark, or a lot of people are missing the mark, because it's not just about the people. While it is about a lot of the people, especially as you get a, a bigger uh, company and you have more teams, it's about, it becomes more like a team issue. But but initially, and especially like companies under 100 people, it's really about the company and what they're trying to build and and, you know, who the owner is. And then uh, figuring out what that culture is and, and being honest with yourself about that culture so that you can have good culture fits. And it's not just about maybe going out a one night a week that may be irrelevant to your culture. But I think that companies really understanding their culture is critical. So having actually done the work and figuring out what the most important elements are for your company will help you figure out who you want for a culture fit for your company. Well, yeah, the going out could be relevant, but that really just depends on how you define it. Yeah. And part of our values was accountability. And I'm not very accountable when it comes to many things. But how can we say as a firm we are if I'm not, right? So and it's it could become that, but that means you really have to hire a comp to offset your weaknesses, right? And you probably can't just go hire a super accountable person and you. Or there's going to be tons of conflict, right? Because mm -hmm. <laughs> there's going to be direct conflict. So like one of the things I did from that experience with that employee, and as I learned about myself and really started understanding that, I went and hired a manager that's about in the middle. So they can be that interface from me to those people that need that detail, which now can kind of start changing that a culture a little bit. So we can be, mm -hmm. and we can actually, this is where we really should be. I'm probably at an extreme and there's another extreme. And as a company to really be successful, we should be in the middle with the right balance. Well, that means I have to hire somebody in the middle to act as that cornerstone in the middle to pull both sides in. And as entrepreneurs, we love to live in the ditches on one extreme or the other. And we like to go from one extreme to the next extreme. And it's probably important for us to build cultures that kind of compensate for our extremes as well. And some of those you can double down on and be a great culture. And could become part of your culture, but some of them pieces about ourselves, we have to recognize if we want to create an ideal culture to move this company forward, we may have to offset this. Yeah, I think there's a delicate empathy and hiring. Yeah, what you're trying to, what you like to build, and then what you actually are, right? I mean, if, you, if it, your whole company was just based on Scott, it wouldn't work because yeah, you are <laughs> you're, you're an entrepreneur. You know, you're you're not you're not necessarily you know somebody that wants to have a boss. And so you can't just base it completely on you. And then going back to accountability, Scott, it's like, that's not to say that you're not accountable. I mean, here you are 1.30 on time, you know, and <laughs> you do, you may do certain things where you do hold yourself accountable. You know, you started this podcast, you held yourself accountable and you followed through. So I think defining what uh, accountability is, 
is also important. You know, you have to define what it means to you because it could mean something different to me. It could mean something. So I think really understanding what you're building, again, back to that, is is critical. Well, it's a fluid fluidity. I used to be very accountable when it came to the firm. And I think, you know, it's 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 all about perception too and how we're defining these things. I, I tend to take things way too literally, but I think obviously the point was more so you want things to reflect the reality, not the aspiration. And that starts with who somebody is at their core when you're hiring too. And, and then not trying to make them be somebody that they're not or that they aspire to be, but take them for who they are and then build around that too. And that starts obviously with us top down, making sure that, you know, we're not living in these false realities at our firm because that's people put the blinders up and then they get blindsided with, with the harsh reality of things falling apart and people leaving and conflict and everything. You can avoid those things if you invest the right time up front. For example, our my company, Logistics for Designers, has extremely well-documented processes. I mean, down to probably too much detail. And so the idea behind that is that we want to be able to bring somebody on and they look at this work in carbon and they're able to run down the entire checklist and do the job without any guidance, really, for certain sect of our bookkeepers and such. But then there's, you know, there are roles like our sales tax accountant who needs to understand the gray areas and there's not really a checklist that he could follow down to the the details. So it, it's about culture, but it's also about the role in and of itself. So you have to figure out how you can make your company work as a whole with right seats, right butts, right seats. My firm, we're less on that. You know, we serve a client base that's a very entrepreneurial, fluid have a lot of different things running in their businesses. So a checklist, things change from month to month quite a bit inside of our clients' businesses. So, you know, once again, because I'm very much, I probably attracted initially clients that were kind of like me. One of our niches that we kind of specialize in is is multi-entity entrepreneurs. And they like to try a lot of random things. So, you know, if you have that exact checklist, you break it every month. And that means we have to hire a certain style of people that can be a little more fluid. You know, if you need that really checklist-driven person, they might not be as effective as in our firm as they would be in Marissa's firm, right? So that's definitely a different style that you have to take into consideration as you're hiring there. And it's critical. Yeah, and then my other company that we, you know, we don't have any documented processes. We have like, <laughs> this is your scope and just make it work. And yeah, so yeah, it is, it's very different. Also, the client base has to fit with your culture, too. So you said the clients kind of mirrored you. That's obviously something to keep in mind if the people that are going to be attracted to working with you or that can that are going to end up working with you, you want the team to be able to work with them, too, right? So, And you want to be intentional about who you take on. So I wonder, is there a way to test the cultural fit of a client before you take them on? So this is something we have been playing with on our side. We haven't done it yet. We definitely do some questionnaire and start looking, do we think they have attributes that we want to work with? We have looked at going the whole route of doing personality profiles, predictive index, or some things like that on our clients before we would accept them or not and say, let's understand who this person is, how they're going to act, how you know they manage their team, how they do certain things before we ever say, yes, we will take them on as a client because we want to understand how they'll interact with us. 
And that's not a step we've taken yet, but we definitely ask some questions. It's hard around their side. So hard because if they're willing to pay you enough, you overlook <laughs> all of the bad things, <laughs> all of the things that you normally would want to be critical about, and and oh, but, ideally but in a perfect world. Yeah, I mean, we're willing to put so much time into hiring the right person, and then we're willing to bring somebody in that will drive our staff away. But think about that. It's I way know. easier to get a I, client it's, it's, than it is to get a staff theory, member. In theory, thinking about it, it's easy to say, but then do, right? And it's very hard. Just It's harder to get a staff member, and we put more effort into making sure it's right. Even though they're harder to come by, we still spend more time making sure it's right than we do on the client. It's easy to come by, where we should be putting a greater filter level. And this is not something we do, but we should be having a greater filter level on clients coming in the door than we do on staff. Yeah, we put a greater filter on staff. And I think it's important too, yes. But we should be doing the same on the client side. So here's something I started doing before COVID that was a huge difference maker was toward the end of a year. I think it was toward the end of like 2018. And I think we did it in 2019. We had everybody tell us their least favorite clients, their least two favorite clients and the top two. And we got rid of clients based on that. And then we tried to take on more clients similar to their top. It's hard to filter out and you're not going to, if you need the business and you need to take on clients, it's sometimes going to be very hard to try to filter these things out because you want to keep things moving. You want to keep the train going. You want to hold up an engagement just because you're going to see if they're the right fit. But after the engagement has started, you could disengage. We are not quick enough to fire clients who don't fit our culture. And I will say that as a blanket statement of the industry, we are not quick enough to fire clients that don't fit our culture. Um, yeah. we always let we're not quick enough to fire people that don't fit either as an industry. But, <laughs> very true. <laughs> Accounts are conflict. We, we avoid conflict, right? And we just don't want to deal but, with the fire yeah. conversation. It ever. just comes out in other ways. <laughs> it just comes out. We're petty when I it comes to like, a lot of that fire, too. Well, they come to me and they're like, I think you're done with me. <laughs> okay. I've had that. For example, we were going to let a we were going to let a bookkeeper go, and we drug it on for a while. The day before we were going to fire them, they came in and quit. Like clearly, we <laughs> drug it on too long. If that is where we were at, <laughs> yeah. I can't tell you how many times it's it's happened to me. I got to think. I can think of twice at least. You know, like it's yeah. It, the writing's on the wall in those cases too, right? Like everybody's feeling the same thing. If you blindside somebody, then you're really doing something right, I guess, because you're able to have the foresight that you know it's not going to work out before anybody else has seen it. And I don't know if you're doing something right on a staff member because especially if you thought they were right when you hired them, mm -hmm. then you probably haven't done the correct job of managing them and giving them the points to correct. If it comes up and they're like completely blindsided. Now, granted, it is good to make a decision quick on if they are good or not. But if you're a year in, you should be blindsiding them because the year end, you should have been taking steps to correct that behavior three months in, right? And you should have been dunning management advice. Now, if you're three months in and you realize it's not a good fit, yes, that might be a blindside. If they've been an employee for a year, you've probably not done the corrective management side each quarter when you maybe should have been. So how much does the environment that you create, how much of that reflects the culture? Because I'm speaking from, I, I can only speak from my own experience. Our environment shifted a lot during COVID and 
I feel like the culture has definitely changed as well, but the people have become better, not worse. No, environment's definitely part of your culture, right? It's a component. It's not the whole culture, but it is a component of it. And, you know, even within a company, if you have partially remote, partially in-house, you're likely going to have some different cultures between those two groups because it's a different take on it. And when you change someone's culture, it changes just like, you know, people at different stages of life are going to interact better with certain cultures, right? If you go into a startup and environment where the culture is everyone works 80 hours a week and we're just pushing through and we're going to build this amazing product and we're all going to reap rewards in the end. There are certain people who are not going to fit in in that environment, right? Just because their stage in life even, you know, where the 20-year-old is great at that, the 35-year-old with three kids, they may not fit in that. And that's not a knock on that person. That's just their stage in life. They're not going to fit in that culture anymore because they have different levels of priority. And those are things that are important to uncover of who you are as a company does dictate some of those things of where that is. Now, could the response be that culture should be more inclusive? Maybe. And that's an aspirational goal, but who they are today is who they are today. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you have to be careful with that whole expression because I think there are lots of people out there who do work 80 hours a week and they're just machines. Like, again, that goes back to their core, you know, and they have a right. layer, they have other stuff. Like, they're just working machines. There are people out there who who love yeah. that. And maybe they have, you know, maybe it's just part of their chemical balance in their brain that they have all this energy and are super ambitious and, and can spread themselves that thin. Right. Where, where's their heart and what do they want to do? And they yeah. will. I, I, I think where I was going to was that the 20 year old who may have been there, that the culture that they fit into may change over time. Right. As their world changes, it may change. Some people, it never does, but some people it does. Right. And that's okay. People are at different stages in life and what they were before may change because as you said, their focus and priorities change, which means the culture they're going to interact with, changes as well. And um, that's probably where, you know, the whole old school mindset of like you join a job and you're there forever really isn't best for people because their circumstances in life change and their priorities change in life potentially. And if they do, there may be another environment and culture that's better for them. Are you arguing arguing against monogamy too? Is that what what you're trying to say? No, I I have a monogamous set of employees, so... (laughs) <laughs> yeah. some people things are forever some Blanker. some parts of them are permanent so some permanence yeah. is a is another topic actually that's another p word that i'm gonna have on those nicole episode permanence i like that so but components of culture but yeah. i came up with uh i think six of them give or take i think values structure work-life balance autonomy stability and environment are the key cultural components that we need to define as we're trying to look at culture. So like I said, Scott, when you asked me, well, what are the best things to talk about culture? And my, my whole thing is people don't really understand how to understand it and how to take that understanding and to actually utilize it to implement in their own firm or or transition into building something with that. So if you take value structure, work-life balance, autonomy, stability, and environment, you 
tie a nice little bow around that definition of, of each of those components, then you should be able to really get a better understanding of your culture, what you're trying to build, and then how you can fit in people into that. I think we've touched on a lot of those. We talked about yeah. environment. We talked about structure. Yeah. We talked about values. Yeah. Autonomy and stability. Stability is it's changing. So the autonomy, give me give me an example or, or talk about autonomy a little bit because I don't think we, we touched on that one. Well, yeah, we actually did because the system's a problem. Ah, okay. You, they need to be able to work on their own and be, be accountable yeah. and have that well, autonomy. And there's- there's a couple of different things there too. Obviously, if you're a very checklist-driven organization, you actually don't have a lot of autonomy because you need to follow that checklist and you need to do it this way, right? Where the flip side is, hey, here's a set of books, go figure it out. It's kind of a blank scale. You get to do it the way you want to do it, right? And yeah, we may have some quality control, but lots of autonomy on how you go about the process. But if you're like, no, this must be done first, this must be done next, this must be done, and this is our exact process, very little autonomy. So that's really comes down to a lot of a, a management style and can people thrive in that or not? And back to the example I gave before. Can you scale with a very yeah. autonomous and self-driven There's, there's three firm. different kinds of culture frameworks that I, I'm blanking on the third one, but there's mm-hmm. like the star, there's the star culture component where you basically just hire uh, people who are extremely autonomous who are able to just rock their role and, you know, just go above and beyond, able to figure it out, need very little guidance, use whatever programs and softwares they want. They, you know, they work completely independently until it's time to get with the team and then they can produce just fine because they did all their work and, you know, now it's time to get together and we produce great things. And there's some big companies out there that have that, you know, that star, that star culture framework. And then there's the then there's the hiring for culture framework, which is where you're kind of hiring more for personality. And again, I'm spacing on the third one. Jacob, do you remember the third one? I don't remember the fir- third style, but <laughs> I mean, there's clearly a hybrid within yeah. in there because like a lot of companies, their sales, their sales team is definitely star driven. It's like that sales guy is kind of the maverick who just goes and makes deals happen. And maybe not so much in the accounting space, but definitely when you look at some other businesses, you see that guy. He's the maverick. He has no guidelines. He just goes and does his thing. And then maybe on the other side, like a manufacturing company, their manufacturing process is very, very process driven. It's like we're checking all the boxes. Sales guy's out there on his own. He's very star driven. So there can definitely be a hybrid between those. But, you know, and there's a lot of idiosyncrasies as you dive into those to really understand them as well. And, you know, and ideally, there's always extremes in there where we have, like I said, we're more have a lot more autonomy, but we still have some structure. It's just not super, super detailed. And there's still structure there. So that level of autonomy you give is definitely a sliding scale that you need to determine what's right for you and right for your personnel. In terms of successful companies from conception to IPO, the people that hire for culture first are way more successful than any other framework that is out there. So if you were hiring with the stars and the independent people who could just get the job done, you know, you just have to be really mindful because it's not, as, the results are not as successful. I think Stanford's study on this is that the results are not as successful when you hire those type of people when you get past IPO. So, uh, you know, it's really important and obviously fast growing tech companies to figure out how they want to hire but the more successful framework is hiring for culture. And I think because with when you're hiring with culture, like you said, you start off small, 
you're top down. So you're thinking about the like what you actually want to build and you're getting everybody on that same page or within that same vision. Whereas if you're hiring the stars, they may be amazing people and super intelligent, but then at some point you're going to max out because they ha- they're they're so autonomous. They're like they're not in it for the full company vision of where you're going as you grow and grow and grow. So I think it's just something to be careful of. I don't I don't know the exact solution or or what the end result is for that, but just something to be mindful of, I think. Culture changes as the complexity could increase too and as as you evolve. I had to throw the C words in there. Culture <laughs> complexity changes. You know, as as you evolve as a company, it's you know, that things are obviously going to change and sometimes people grow out of companies or grow into companies too. So as, as a firm, you know, as we grew, there were some people that were better suited when we were smaller and they could do a lot more and be a lot very horizontal and be the stars. We don't have a star culture anymore. We have a very team-based culture. Um, and I, I don't know if that's the counter or the difference between a star and a team, but it's a more cohesive unit. Um, no, because even even in the star, very autonomous, if that's going to be your model, you can hire to it and be somewhat successful in it. But it's hiring to the culture because you have to build a culture around that, right? Yeah. And, you know, even there, but as as you said, as you grow, you may need teams. And that same star that was a good fit before, now we're serving clients with a team-based approach. They're probably not going to fit in there because they're yeah. going to drive the rest of the team nuts. Mm-hmm. So like, that wasn't your responsibility or that was your responsibility and you didn't do it. So that means I couldn't do my job or you just did part of mine and messed my whole process up. So once again, as that culture adapts, your employees may adapt, you know, and may need different employees to fulfill that different culture. And culture is something that's always at a state of flex because as you add managers, they create their own mini cultures and teams have mini cultures that build up a company's culture. So as a founder gets further and further away from his employees as it grows larger, it starts taking on a life of its own that maybe doesn't completely reflect the founder anymore. And we've seen some large companies lose direction with the founder and founders resign because they're like, this isn't the company that I want anymore. Um, And I can't get it back under control, right? So you see that happen. But if they had really hired to their culture to start with, they probably could have maintained a culture that they were very happy with. But when you don't control it at the start, then it creates a life of its own that may not be something that you want as a culture for you. If you start it, then at least you'll have constant eyes on it to keep pulses on it. And plus, they'll all be an extension of what you were originally trying to build, theoretically. If you if you are able to to do it to do it well, then it will all essentially be an extension of what you're originally going for. Okay. So culture, company, customers, complementary. Cornerstone, compensation, core, checklists, change, consideration, critical, careful, components, conception, control, capture, create, constant, change, complexity. I said change twice, but those are the key. Yeah, (laughs) candidates, I didn't put that in there. Those are some key C words that we came up with today i know that key is not a c word but so carbon isn't a c word either that's why i didn't put that one on there (laughs) my auto detection always wants to make carbon a c word or they 
and script transcription always wants to change it. We, we say carbon a lot on this podcast. Always wants to change that to a C word, but we know carbon's with a K. Closing arguments on culture. My closing arguments is if you really want to understand whether what the impact is, look up Stanford University's study on emerging companies. Um, and they tracked startups for 10 years. I forget how many startups it was, but they realized companies that hired for culture had a 0% failure rate on their way to IPO compared to companies that did not had a much higher one. So you anything know, it, higher than zero is high, <laughs> exponentially <laughs> higher, right? Correct. And I don't remember what this, the percentage was, and that's why I didn't quote it, but you know, they, it really stresses the success that companies have in hiring for culture first. So you want to be the company that's around for a long time, has lower turnover, has a high success rate. Hiring for culture is the way to go. Marissa? People are profits, right? Mm -hmm. no, I well, you know, again, not to sound too cheesy, but I just, there you go, cheesy. I know, I, I caught it. <laughs> Making the world a happier space by putting people in the right place. I just think that if people, people are happy with where they're at, then the world as a whole would just be, would just be better. And, and if you can even take that to a grander notion of going global with that, you know, as we become more of a remote society, then I think it would be really exciting to elevate other countries that maybe have people out there with great potential. And if we can just really tap into people's personalities and the deep desires of people, how do we put them within our own companies and, and how do we just elevate the world's happiness on a, we on have a, a benefit. Number is a universal language. Numbers and math are universal, right? Yeah. Our language is cross borders, right? Across uh, countries, cross cultures. There you go. That brings the world in. The culture of the world could be unified. I like that. We can end on that. Thank you, everybody. Ciao. Ciao. You gotta, you gotta say bye ciao. with a C word. Cheers or <laughs> ciao. Right. Yeah. You know what? It's Friday at Accounting High. Make varsity, no doubt. Play on, players. Play on. Okay, drop the verse. It's going down, welcome back. Team of coaches are ready to teach promotional price packaging. No doubt, accounting high, put it down. Never about the numbers in accounts. If I can figure that out. Tell me who got hot takes and tips. Attract the teams like Coach Mack did. Price and fear patterns, mindset, proactive. Still moving this forward with my homies, Matt, Queen, Dave, Kenji, the original coach trainers. Outsource teams now, good loan. Creating cultures with real owners, wow. System score when you're not around. Cover much ground. Stop breathing. Slow down. Getting paid is the only way. Each and every day. Recurring models great. Get ready. Open your mind. Why? Learn and power your firm. Free your time. East side to the west side. Pushing value price at accounting high. We got tips in our bag. Stacking up your cash. Practice with the top of the class. 
clients need service because people are the purpose. Lace up, it's like phys ed, it's immersive. Friday at Accounting High, let's begin. You people are the purpose. Make varsity, it's time to level up. Level up. People are the purpose. Make varsity, it's time to level up. Level up. Your people are the purpose. Make varsity, it's time to level up. Level up. Your people are the purpose. Make varsity, it's time to level up. Lace up.